there and welcome to the Little Yarrow podcast. My name is Kate, I'm a naturopath and postpartum doula here to share with you ancient wisdom for modern mothers. Welcome everyone to the Little Yarrow podcast. I'm really excited today to have special guest Charlotte here today. We're going to be talking all about how to thrive in motherhood after surviving illness. So Charlotte, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you so much for having me here today, Kate. Yes, I would absolutely love to. So as you said, my name is Charlotte. I live in Melbourne, Australia. Um, I'm the mother of one son whose name is Rupert and I'm currently 24 weeks pregnant with my second child. I have a partner named Jack who's incredibly supportive um, and I'm also a doula here in Melbourne. So um, that's a little bit about me. I'm also a cancer survivor. So I had Hodgkin's lymphoma at the age of 24. I underwent six months of chemotherapy and I um, live here to tell the tale, which I'm so grateful to be able to do. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your story I think um yeah I think it's it's so beneficial to share your story and and for others to to feel inspired and learn from that and today's topic um is one that I think we don't really hear very much about I haven't really Mm. actually read or heard much about this particular topic so that's what has made me really excited um to have you on here because I do often get women contacting me and they've had a history of um, illness it might be like autoimmune or it could be you know chronic fatigue or in your case having um, cancer diagnosis and they really want to become a mum but they just feel they've lost that confidence in in their body and in their um, they're quite concerned about how am I going to cope with pregnancy and motherhood because of my history of my um, you know having it having an illness so I would love for you to um, share a bit about your experience and what tools you use to help you heal and gain that confidence and trust that you could, you know, go through that mothering journey without your um, illness hampering that. Yeah, absolutely. I think the first thing that I wanted to acknowledge is I 100% agree with you. It's not a spoken about conversation. It's not spoken about enough. And I think there's so many um, women who have lost the confidence in their body, um, whether it's around fertility, whether it's about health, whether it's about um, just their mental health. There's so many ways that we Mm -hmm. feel that we may not be able to cope because our health may impact our ability to thrive in motherhood. For me, when I was diagnosed, my biggest fear was that Um, the chance to become a mother would be taken away from me. So I went straight into protecting that because if I couldn't survive this illness, if I, if I was going to survive, I had to know that I was going to be a mother one day. It was something that was incredibly important to me. Even at the age of 24, I I knew that that was in my future. So Mm. I discussed that with my medical team and I really do believe in having the right team around you. If somebody, if something feels off, even if they're the best or whatever, if they don't, if they're not hearing you and they're not listening to you, get somebody else on your team, somebody who really understands your values. Um, That was, I think, imperative to me, thriving in the long term, not just in the short term. Um, So I expressed yeah my my concerns about that and so they ended up pushing back my chemotherapy so I was able to undergo some fertility um 
egg, pres uh, egg preservation. So I was able to freeze some eggs and go through that IVF process, um, which was a very enlightening experience to understand what some women go through um, in order to get their babies earthside. It mm. was, um, and then I began chemotherapy. And the reason that I decided to end up going down that um, egg fertility preservation route was so that I could fully engage in the chemotherapy without the fears of, um, you know, my chances being shot at the end of it. It was just that little glimmer of hope that even if my body doesn't react well to this treatment, at least I know I've got my eggs there and I'll be able to hopefully act on that in the future. It was more of just an insurance policy, I guess, even though I had very good chances of um, being able to conceive without um, needing them. Uh, that, I think, really helped me and allowed me to accept the treatment that I was undergoing and 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 on top of that, I also em, employed um, many holistic professionals to um, help nurture me through that um, intense chemotherapy period. So I had homeopaths, I had naturopaths, I had um, mm. I changed my diet drastically. I was juicing three times a day. Um, I think this was my way of controlling what was seemed so out of control at the time. Yeah. And I think it. And I really felt that it was giving myself the best chance possible in the future um, to just recover and um, heal, really. So that became incredibly um, important to me and really changed my value system from there on out. Um, health is now obviously one of my absolute main values and concerns in all that I do. So um, I'm really conscious of that relapse that we spoke about earlier. It's, it's something that I think you can't avoid moving forward. Mm. You are conscious and you are needing to um, just just be always aware of that back note of I need to make sure I'm good because if I'm not good, we, we kind of, we know what can happen if that, and it, that sounds a bit daunting or a little bit, you know, ominous, but it really is important that it, it's such a beautiful metaphor really for everything in life. When we're good, everything can kind of stem from that space. Whereas when we run ourselves into the ground or, you know, we know what, we know how bad it can get. Um, when you have had that experience, you really um, do want to protect yourself from ever getting back there. Yeah. So it sounds like a big part of um, your journey and what you would recommend for other women is actually like identifying what you want and what you need and then, and then recruiting like a support network and team around you that can actually help, help you, um, you know, help you be able to have that positive experience absolutely I think um you know and I really had to lean on my community back then as well um I was as I said only 24 working a full-time job but still you're not raking in the money at 24 and mm. my parents I'm one of six children so um my parents are very generous and, and always you know take care of us where they can but sickness can offer <laughs> it's it's an expensive time of life when you're ill um as I'm sure yeah. we can all relate at different times and I had a few girlfriends who mm -hmm. so my girlfriends were um incredibly beautiful they a few of them got together and raised some money for me to um be able to employ those health professionals those natural health professionals that I was speaking about um from a more holistic perspective which was incredibly important to me and I just wanted to point that out because I know not everybody has the financial means to um, mm. support themselves and I, I sat in a very privileged position for them to have reached out to that wider community um, to raise some money for me to be able to yeah act on those um, important decisions so yeah I just wanted to point that out yeah that's wonderful it sounds like you had 
a really great vision of what what you wanted mm. um, in terms of your support and that you were able to find the right people that fit fit with your vision because I think sometimes we can you know end up stuck with practitioners that we actually don't really trust or we don't feel safe with or we don't have that connection and we just feel like oh well I just have to kind of continue mm. on with them when when that's actually not true at all and um, you know if you don't feel like you're in a safe space in a supported space then you know really it's in your best interest to find someone that that you do feel safe and trust. I couldn't agree more. I think I've always believed that if you feel safe and supported, that is going to have a ripple effect in your health. I think so much of that emotional capacity to really lean in and really trust somebody can it just yeah send such positive ripple effects out into um, how you accept the treatment and how and your motivation to actually commit to all the practices that you're doing at home. I think um, when you really trust, okay, I'm gonna give this tonic a go or I'm going to, you know, swallow this tincture even though it makes me feel sick, like, I, you know, because you really believe mm-hmm. what this person um, has your best interest at heart. Yeah. So when, how long did you wait after you got the green light that the chemotherapy was successful? How long did you wait um, before conceiving? So actually the least amount of time possible that could, that was suggested, which was 18 months um, from the beginning of okay. chemo so I actually so that includes okay. the six month um, period um, I we started having those conversations obviously with my partner we've been together for a long time already but we'd started those conversations um, because we were really asked to when we were going through the IVF treatment anyway um, and so it was really wonderful to be able to have those open di- that open dialogue and really discuss what's in the best interest. And at this stage, I didn't know if I could fall pregnant. I didn't know what had happened to my body through that period, whether or not my, um, you know, my fertility was going to thrive or not. So I just kind of wanted. Did they tell? Did they tell you that the treatment may affect your? Um, they fertility? did. Yes. Yeah. So they said, listen, it, it probably. I had a really good egg count. I, I did all of those. Um, checks before I went through the IVF process, but they were feeling quite confident that I would be able to fall pregnant um, without any assistance on my own, especially because of the way that I had taken care of myself. They were, they were also quite interested to see how I reacted. I was quite young, so they mm-hmm. were feeling quite confident and which gave me that quite confidence too to kind of move into that space. Um, however, we did try for quite a number of months and, and nothing did happen and so obviously that um, you know, that seed of doubt starts to come in and go, oh, is something wrong? You know, it, it just naturally started to play out. At this stage, I still, you know, my hair was still, you know, growing back to what it was before. It wasn't, you know, I, I was still very fragile, I think, looking back now. And I think I was just desperate to know that um, I was okay and that I was going to thrive in this next stage of life. Um, what many of yeah. us don't know is that after recovery is often the most challenging time for people because it's when we are left to our own devices we don't have those appointments checking in on us we don't have um those you know checkpoints along the way so you can start to get into your own mind and that was something that I became really aware of was that I was not quite coping mentally I was having quite a lot of anxiety and things the year after chemo so I went and saw a psychologist and and really again put the right team in place to just help manage those emotions and manage what was coming up for me because I could see that it wasn't um I wasn't really yeah it wasn't doing the best I could 
what could have been, um, which was a great decision and, and that really helped me move forward. So after a few months of trying, I think it was about six months of trying, we did fall pregnant and it was such an exciting time and I was even though we'd been trying I was still shocked I think you hear people say that all the time Uh um and unfortunately that um that pregnancy did result in a miscarriage which was absolutely devastating for me at that time um it still bring it still brings up emotion for me now it it was an awful time and I think I think it was because I just couldn't believe that after how hard I'd worked how much I'd committed to this overall health that it's still my body had had yet failed me in some way it was an incredibly um yeah humbling experience and and one that I really rocked me at that time and I, I I'm somebody who really always tries to see you know the lesson in everything and I really lent into that and I really went there with this one because I was like what what is what is going on here? Like, and I think it really was that I was just desperate for, to prove to myself that I could do it, that I could fall pregnant. And it was just, a, I think I was pushing, pushing, pushing. I think I'd gone through a long, long time of, yeah, just desperately hoping that everything was going to be okay. And I really felt that that was like the pinnacle to prove to myself that I could, um, that I was healthy again, that I was going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it was actually quite crazy that, that I always say that I always get the symptoms that people, nobody ever gets. They're always like, oh, that's an odd symptom. We don't say that a lot. A lot. Um, that I feel like that's my story mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And after um, that miscarriage, I was going away and I was selling my small business at that time, um, closing it and moving, just going on a holiday. And I think it just came at the most perfect time because I went away and literally I think on the second night we were on holiday, I conceived my first live pregnancy, which was now my son Rupert, who's 21 months old. So it it all moved quite quickly after that, but I think that was also because I really lent into that learning process. I really um, felt the grief and I I let the pain just be. I didn't try and shift it. I didn't try and move it on. I was just like, this sucks and I'm going to acknowledge that and I'm not going to try and rush this process. Um, and that's something that I yeah. really believe. I really believe that our emotions play into our physical um, symptoms and so I'm always looking for the lesson underneath it all as well. Yeah. And it's it. I think as well, like chronic, like chronic illness as well can be a very lonely mm. time for, for people and I think as you mentioned as well, often it's it's after, you know, when you're starting to recover that all of a sudden you can feel like that support network can drop off a bit because people are like, oh, yeah. she's getting better, she doesn't need as much help. And then that's actually when, yeah, when you can kind of have a relapse, Definitely. I guess, because you all of a sudden you feel like you're And you want to be well. You want to be okay, you know. that's that's We all want that, right? Like, it's like, oh, I don't want to be a bother. I think that's something I hear so often in people who've had been sick a yeah. lot. It's like, I'm just always the sick one. I'm always the one. They feel like they're yes, a burden. Absolutely. And yeah. um, that in itself is, is and you know, can be such a toxic thought for our beautiful bodies that <laughs> I just, I, I also always yeah. trying to be well. You know, they're always trying to work to their optimum health capacity, I guess. And 
yeah, sometimes we just don't live in the, even our mental states and our physical states, we don't always live in, in you know, amazing environments to, to thrive as well. And that's something that I had to yeah. become, you know, acutely aware of. It's like, what's not working for me in this life? Maybe it's not working these crazy long yeah. hours. Maybe it's not drinking alcohol. Maybe it's not, um, you know, pushing this kind of exercise maybe isn't the most beneficial for me at this time of my life. Just all these kinds of things, I think, really allow us to reflect back on on what is working and what's not working. And I always, you know, I, for me, I just look at a disease that's coming up. It's like it's trying to show me that something's not working in this in my life right now. What have I done that to, mm-hmm. to get myself here? Or, yeah. 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 And then so you went on to have a healthy pregnancy and birth I experience? I did, actually. My pregnancy was – I was so well. I think that that pregnancy for me was probably one of the most joyous times of my life because I was – I was brimming with health. I felt so well. I had such a wonderful pregnancy. And every time somebody said, oh, aren't you lucky? In the back of my head, I thought, no, 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 I'm not lucky. I've worked for this and I I bloody deserve it, you know. Um, And I, yeah, just really took it in my stride. I really embraced every part of that pregnancy. Um, Again, I was really passionate about putting the right team around me to make sure that my needs and values were respected and heard. Um, and so I went through the public health system, um, and I had an incredible, um, water birth that, yeah, I just felt, I still look back on as just one of the most incredible, um, the way it all just panned out was just really, really wonderful. I recovered quite well. Um, and again, really called on that incredible community that I'm a part of to support me through that time. Um, yeah, the first year was just so blissful. I think uh, since falling pregnant this second time round, um, th- that's probably when my f- my health has flared probably in the last little while and I have felt that, you know, um, lack of confidence creep up behind me. I was concerned that I hadn't had enough time between pregnancies to fully replenish and bring all those nutrient stores yeah. back up. Um, I, you know, very aware of that being postnatally depleted as you are as a postpartum doula and I was feeling yeah. a little bit um, unsure if I was really ready. It was not a planned pregnancy, as I say, with inverted commas. <laughs> it was somebody's plan, just not mine. Um, What's the gap? What's the age gap? Five months. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so just, just over two years. years. Yeah. I think because you're high, I'm hyper-conscious of um, – just giving myself the best chance ever um, to replenish and just be at my best self. Um, just as I fell pregnant, I really started to feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm starting to feel that, you know, get it back into my stride of feeling like I'm, I'm, I can have time mm-hmm. for me to put back in. And um, that's something that also, you know, taking care of our health takes time and takes energy. And okay. once you become a mother, I have definitely struggled to find that time for me to put back in where I where I can um and that's so what are you doing this time around which would look quite different to first time around because mm-hmm. you're busy with your elders so it's probably not as easy as it was first time to kind of rally that support and research into it all so what are you second time around what have you been trying to do to help 
prepare you and get that support. So this time around I have um, employed a nutritionist because I really wanted to just check on those Mm -hmm. nutrition levels and see where I was lacking Um, because I also wanted this baby to have the best chance possible too and I was a bit concerned that maybe those, um, yeah, I I didn't have the best groundwork um, to go off. So I have a nutritionist this time around. um, My partner is not working full-time currently, so he um, is at home a little bit more than usual to support me with Bubba number one. And I, due to COVID, I've actually moved back in with my parents um, and the family home for the last little while. So um, as my partner and I both were out of work during that time, so which has kind of been a blessing in disguise because having that support and that community for my son to grow up around has just been incredible and for me to be able to know that if I'm having a rough day that you know my mom is there or my sister and we can just kind of balance um the toddler around all of us which is you know again a very very fortunate position to be in um and I'm also I've also employed I'm I'm having a home birth this time and, and I have more continuity of care in regards to having a midwife see me consistently just so that I know that she can pick up on things that I maybe am not as um, hyper aware Mm. of through this period. So I've definitely changed things up a little bit and um, really hoping that that um, benefits us all in the long run. Um, And yeah, and I've just, I think I've learned so much. I, I, I completed my dual studies after I had my son. So I do feel that there's just a lot more knowledge backing me and education um, really pushing me towards my why and why I'm choosing to do things, which does allow me to make those decisions with just a little bit more ease because I know that for in the long run it's benefiting everybody. Yeah, that's so great. I'm really glad to hear that. What would you say, um, what would be your top three tips to someone else who might be at the beginning of, maybe they're at the beginning of their mothering mm. journey or maybe they already have a child and they are struggling with um, their health um, and they want to have another baby but they're concerned and um, what would be your top three tips to help bring back that support and that nourishment and to build that confidence so that you can go into your either first or next pregnancy with with that trust and confidence? My first tip would be give yourself permission to ask for help. I think it is so hard for some women to um, just let themselves acknowledge that they need the help. Um, I see it so much in my work that we just want to be this hero. We want to be this super mom. And it's not benefiting anybody if you're not feeling your best in any capacity. Yeah. So that's my first tip. The second is if you are um, undergoing treatment or you're feeling unwell and, you know, you're, you're going through disease or illness, look at how you could reframe this because it sometimes can be a real um, – and a really overwhelming experience. Um, I'm really, I'm really passionate about a reframe. So it's like, what is this disease trying to teach me? Rather than, this is the worst thing to have ever happened. Why is this happening to me? And obviously, that's a stage we all need to go through. There's, you know, seven stages of grief that we all need to go through when mm. we um, are diagnosed with something. Um, however, eventually, I think it's really powerful when you can get to the reframe stage because it's when you get to take your power back and start putting in place um, how you're going to come out of it. Yeah. And the third thing is get the right team. 
and that's in looking that's looking like the right the communicating with your partner your needs if you have a partner communicating with um your closest network what you're needing and then also your 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 medical professionals and holistic professionals who um really need to understand your long-term goals and your values um moving forward i think it's incredibly important that we um don't try to navigate this on our own. Sometimes we don't understand, and you would know this, Kate, but taking the wrong herb can have serious implications when we try to do it on our own. And yeah. it's really important that you have yeah. those professionals in place who can love and guide you back to your state of wellness. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you so much. That is really great practical tips because I think a lot of people, it's just so overwhelming. They don't even know where to start. So it's nice to have someone who's been through it before and um yeah has some really practical tips to to help others so thank you so much for coming on here today and I'm really just happy to hear of how your story has panned out I'm really excited for you with your little another <laughs> bubba that's on the way and yeah I really think that it seems like you've learned a lot of really great lessons and gathered a lot of tools that will continue to support you through this pregnancy and you know, through the rest of your mothering journey. So I'm really happy to hear that. Thank you, Kate. And thank you for having me on here. I just think you do such important work and I love learning from you. So it's such a pleasure to sit here in conversation with you. Thank you. So can you share with your audience before we finish up, what is your um, website if they would like to know a bit more about Yes, of course. Do? So it's www.thelivingdoula.com um, and I really do specialise with um, in clients who uh, have, have gone through treatment or are going through an illness or disease um, whilst also going through um, the process of conception, pregnancy and postpartum. It's something that I'm incredibly passionate about for obvious reasons. Um, so that's yeah, really the kind okay. of people that I'm looking to work with as well. Yeah, that's great. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Charlotte. Have a lovely day. Thank, Thank you, you Kate. Us. So lovely to get to know you. Bye.